0: You're by my perfect fire My perfect
1: fire And we're back with a brand new episode of The Word on the Hill. This is The Lanky Guys. Thanks for coming, everybody. My name is Scott Powell. And he's a doctor. And my name is
0: Father Peter Muzzat. He's a priest. <laughs> I'm a priest. So right before the, uh, the, the podcast started, um, we we always pray beforehand, and I and Scott I entitled what I just prayed the most passive aggressive prayer he's ever heard. One of the most. I, like, I pray I was, that
1: Scott will be funny today.
0: And then I prayed for that I would be and receptive be re- to your humor. Yeah,
1: whatever. That's a backhanded. <laughs> a, call. Whatever a jokes a backhanded he tries prayer. to make, I pray that I can be kind enough to laugh at. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my uh, goodness
1: you you guys welcome to the third sunday of advent it's getting real this
0: advent um for those of you who um, are <coughs> binge listening the uh, the podcast <laughs> on welcome. Christmas break, on Christmas break, what should I do? Binge listen to the Lanky Guys, dude. Do you know uh, somebody was telling me about that, and I was just like, uh, about it, doing that? Yeah, yeah. It made, me no like, it made me feel no self-respecting person like, does that. No, they do, and it just made wow. me feel tired because I was like, <laughs> made me feel I, tired. I was talking about how like after we're done with the podcast,
1: you guys basically Scott and I are like exhausted entirely. Oh, we're tired. It's exhausting to do this podcast, you guys. You have you have no idea. But
0: you know what? I would n- rather spend my life energy doing this podcast than, than
1: doing emails. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> those are the only two options you have. Third Sunday of, ord- of A- Advent. Of Advent. Adventio, y'all. Adventio, y'all. Uh, is next Sunday Gaudete Sunday? No, today's Gaudete. Not Gaudete. Gaudete laudete, so why
0: laudete, Christus, not to... Ex Maria Virginia, Letare Godete. Sunday.
1: Letare Sunday is during Lent. Lent. This is how Godete. come it's not pink on uh, the liturgical calendar. Mine is. Mine's still purple. Mine has a purple and a yours pink yours has a pink. Okay, interesting. Because actually, it's that's it's what threw me off. Rose,
0: so, rose is. Uh, rose, rose is optional. I'm, I'm
1: sorry, Rose. Okay, so it is it is gao- laudete. gaudete. 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 Sunday.
0: Gaudete. Gaudete. Christus est natus.
1: Our first reading for Gaudete Sunday is coming from the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, verses 1 through 6, stopping at A and jumping to verse 10. I think that that's the
0: weirdest gap year ever. It
1: it appears arbitrary, but I'm sure that there is wisdom in this.
0: Then let's just be honest about the psalm here. Actually, somebody was telling me about the other day. They said, said, I never trust anybody who said, let's be honest.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. And I was like, oh, dude, that's tough. It's like when you preface something, like when a southern lady prefaces, like, God bless her. But she is horrible. (laughs) Bless her soul. She is the worst human being ever.
0: Yeah, let's be honest, which means that I typically lie. Yeah, it's a good precursor for that. Psalm 146, (laughs) 6 through 10. (laughs) Which is true. Um, Which we have an option for Isaiah 35, 4 for the response recall.
1: Which, I got to be honest, I can't find that line in Isaiah 35, 4. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have you? I didn't. I mean, you have to really splice some stuff together to get... Give comfort to, to the faint-hearted in Oh Lord, come to mind. save us. What? Lord, come to save us? No, nah, man, I, that's not. That's not in my gig. Okay, whatever. Our second reading. We'll get to that. Okay. Our second reading is from the book of Jason. Sorry, James. James. <laughs> James See, it always looks it. like I Jason that. to that me. Was, that was a
0: soft. That was a it's soft not. laugh. <laughs>
1: <word>. <laughs> James, chapter five, verses seven through ten. Jason, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> okay, and then. And then our gospel is from Matthew,
0: <laughs> chapter eleven, two through eleven. With okay. with our um, gospel acclaim, um, Isaiah sixty one as cited from Luke four eighteen.
1: This is that is that is circuitous.
0: Yeah, I know that's like welcome to the welcome to the uh,
1: Maximus. Welcome to the jungle. Um, All right, I want to suggest something that I only suggest a couple times a year, or every week. No, I do not suggest it every week. <laughs> Yeah, come on dude do you know what i'm even gonna suggest going with the gospel first yeah every week my patootie every week well this I, is i suggest we start with the gospel because because we because we have to dude
0: i gotta say i'm excited to start with the gospel
1: i think it's the only way to read these with sanity i i'm sorry that's a terrible way to, it's the best way to read these mm. as far as the narrative
0: Well, and and the truth is, is that the way in which people encounter um, um, is they just hear the gospel and then you got to preach on it. So the freshest thing in people's
1: minds is often the gospel. Well, the thing that's cool about this is that the gospel quotes the first reading, which rarely happens in our schema of readings. But in this case, it's very explicit. The gospel is a direct quote of the first reading. Okay. And so we're taking the narrative, but we're taking it as a flashback. Okay. So the narrative obviously works the other direction, but this is a good way to look at it because this is the way that Jesus is actually presenting it to us. Okay. Saying, let's look back on it this way. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Which is just kind of cool that you don't usually get the first reading quoted in the gospel. I know. It, so, nor- normally the church gives us
0: actually like a little bit of divergence, so then we have lots of paths. It's kind of like, sometimes I feel like the readings, the way they're set up is like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It is. And you're like, you're like, except it's fewer
1: than that. <laughs> Six degrees of Isaiah. So today is the one degree of Isaiah. Isaiah knew Hezekiah, Hezekiah knew Sennacherib, Sennacherib knew. I'm sorry, the, the knee bone. Biblical. <laughs> <laughs> the knee bone. All right. All right. So here's where we are. Um, John the Baptist finds himself in prison. <laughs> bom, bom, bom. Bom, bom, bom. John the Baptist is in prison. Matthew, it, we're picking up in Matthew with a little flashback. Ma- Jesus. It's not a flashback. Sorry. It's a, a side note, basically. Jesus is doing ministry; he's going about; he's pro- he's proclaiming the gospel. He just finished. We've come in the last couple of chapters from the Sermon on the Mount, and he's doing ministry; he's proclaiming the kingdom. And then we hear that John the Baptist is in prison. We haven't heard about John the Baptist in a while yeah. since the baptism, but John the Baptist is in prison now. He's been arrested by Herod, remember, for calling out uh, the king for marrying his sister's wife and all, all these different things. So. So John the Baptist finds himself in prison. And while John is sitting in prison, uh, they, okay, let's set the scene. so here's what here's what the reading actually says. In chapter eleven, verse two, right? says, when John the Baptist heard in prison about the works of Christ. So if you're reading along in Matthew, yeah. you've been reading all about the mighty works that Jesus is doing. Matthew, Remember, Matthew is a tax collector, which means he's essentially an accountant. And so Matthew is an organizer by nature. And Matthew loves to organize things in certain categories. So um, in the last couple of chapters, he's categorized and gathered together a bunch of Jesus's miracle stories. So if you're reading through Matthew, you've just read a bunch of this consolidation of a bunch of miracle stories of Jesus. And you're like, wow, this guy's really amazing. He's healing people. He's curing people. He's doing incredible things. And then you sidetrack over to John the Baptist. John the Baptist hears that he's doing all of these incredible things. Remember, John the Baptist is Jesus's cousin. He's the one who was uh, the messenger sent to be the voice, the announcer of Jesus, the Messiah coming out in the wilderness. Sunday, He's, Sunday,
0: Sunday. <laughs> here he
1: comes. <laughs> he sees all these things happening. I mean, he is the herald of the king in a very real way. And now the herald of the king, the voice of, of Isaiah and Malachi, the messenger sent to prepare the way, the cousin of the Messiah is sitting, kind of rotting in a prison cell, Dude, hearing about all these things. Let's right? just
0: let's just hang out with that for a second here. Like sometimes, like this is Jesus. Uses his cousin like yeah. you know what i mean like like sometimes because we, we, we like are like lord please help and the lord's like there's meaning in what you're doing even my cousin had to like uh, dude I had to, yeah. I had to let him i had to actually let him go to prison for so that he and could accomplish yeah. yeah so that he could accomplish that i mean i mean i'm sure uh you
1: know elizabeth and zechariah were like uh hey, <laughs> right, you. Well, it's, it's funny. You know, I've, I've heard different interpretations of this passage, and I have a very specific take on this, which maybe it's due to my own cynicism. Maybe I, I should be holier. I don't know. Probably. But, but, okay, so here's John the Baptist in prison, hearing about the works that Jesus is doing. And so John sends his disciples to Jesus with this question, saying, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for somebody else? Should we look for another? I mean, you've got, <laughs> again maybe it's my personal cynicism I'm reading into John's words but I'm seeing John rotting in prison hearing about the things that Jesus is doing to set people free he sends his disciples and he's like are you really the Messiah or should we just look for somebody else <laughs> and I've heard others say well he obviously understands exactly what's happening and he's sending his disciples because he knows it's for their benefit that Jesus will teach them and show them and but at the same time which is fine maybe but John's human he's got to be frustrated I think John John of anybody knows who Jesus is in, in in the gospel of John, which is not John the Baptist, John the apostle, but his gospel talks about John's, the first couple chapters are all about John's insight into this right? and how he recognizes, Lord, this is the one that you've sent. I can't believe it. And he, you know, all of these things of his, his revelation that he sees, he gets it. He sees the heavens opened for Pete's sake, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. If anybody gets it, it's him. And so I hear... <laughs> a certain amount of frustration in John's voice of like, okay, I, I get it, Jesus. You're my cousin. You're the king. You're the Messiah. You're working miracles for everybody else. What about me? Should I just look for somebody else? Are you not really the Messiah? You know, I don't know. I hear a cynicism and maybe that's my jaded nature. Maybe John knows perfectly well what's going on. and He's just wanting Jesus to tell his disciples for their benefit. I don't know. But Jesus says in reply, so they go and ask, should we look for somebody else or are you it? And Jesus says in reply to them, and he's presumably got this crowd of people around him, he's working miracles, and he says, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is he who takes no offense at me. Which it's one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> what well, kind of? But on a certain level, you'd want to just be like, "It's a yes or no question, Jesus." <laughs> like that's a beautiful little discourse you've just gone off on. But are you the one or not? He's like, "Well, let me tell you something." The blind and the deaf, and it's, he's saying all it, these things, and you're like, well, "Okay, so what's your answer?" <laughs> it's a
0: little bit like talking to you.
1: Oh come on!
0: No, I'm serious, dude. Like you're, you're like, you're like, what about this? And you're like blah 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 <laughs> and you're like, well, so let's just... make some
1: distinctions Yes, let's make distinctions. Well, I've got some distinctions for you. okay, so let's take <laughs> you this are apart. a man of distinctions. well let's make this let's take this apart. So Jesus doesn't appear to give a yes or no answer, which on the surface could frustrate you and just be like, okay well so what is it? But what is Jesus actually saying? so I mentioned it before what is Jesus Jesus quotes something do you know what he's quoting? Um, he is quoting Isaiah. Yeah, he's quoting the first reading from Absolutely. Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35. <laughs> see,
0: see, now we're talking. You See, you're like, well, of course, you did say yes. You affirmed what I, yes. you know, because yes, the, 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 the philosophical way is, you know, seldom affirm, never deny, always distinguish. And so see? Jesus is like, are you the Messiah? Are you the one who to come? Is there somebody else? And he's like, well, well look it up.
1: <laughs> well, oh, okay. Isaiah 35 is a very important passage about what's going to happen when... Remember, Isaiah spans this massive amount of time where chapter 35 comes right before Assyria, who's just obliterated the northern kingdom, is about to come in, Hezekiah's king... Uh, he's going to experience all this, all, you know, this warfare coming from Assyria. They're going to try to destroy Jerusalem. As, uh, they will eventually be destroyed. And things are pretty rough. Things are things are hanging in the balance, so to right. speak. And Isaiah, in that moment, is pointing ahead to this time when God is going to step in and set things right. There will be no more of this war and strife. There'll be forgiveness and righteousness. The good guys will win. The bad guys will lose. Everything will be made right. And he says, when that happens. Again, quoting from from thirty five, it says the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It'll burst into bloom and rejoice greatly for the shout of joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel, all these things. Uh, basically, Isaiah thirty five is a passage about the Lord coming with vengeance the lord coming to save the world with vengeance but ironically it's the kind of vengeance where like flowers bloom and trees you know leaf and it's this kind of <laughs> that's the weirdest it's a weird kind of vengeance what a weird vengeance like i'm going to bring beauty where there's darkness or something and not only that so if he starts there but then he goes on he says, "So strengthen the weak knees and the feeble knees, because the blind will see and the lame will walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf will hear, the dead will be raised. All of these things are signs of Jesus' coming. Um, what did I? What did I call it before his? Uh, his coming with uh, power and might. Yeah, power and might. But we R- R- vengeance. Yeah, his vengeance." His vengeance is flowers blooming, trees coming into leaf, rivers flowing, people walking, blind seeing. I mean, what is God, according to Isaiah, what is God taking vengeance on? The, hold on. I think you're blowing
0: my mind. It's kind of cool. Like, he's taking vengeance on a fallen world yes. and actually restoring the garden. Exactly right. Holy cow. Like, That's dude, exactly you, you, Yeah,
1: you had to say it. Yeah. I, I had to say it out loud to myself this morning to kind of see it. I'm like, because it is about vengeance, but a different kind of vengeance. Yeah, like you said, it, it's, it's vengeance on the fallenness of the world, which goes all the way throughout creation and humanity and our brokenness and the things that— the things that bring death. What he's doing is bringing vengeance against death. That is the fruit of sin. Death in creation, death to beauty, death to the human person, to our suffering. All of those things is what he's bringing vengeance upon, which is really profound. Dude, this makes sense. I was at a wedding the
0: other day, and at the end of all of the toasts, um, the, the, the guy who was sitting with, he, um, they would give these like beautiful toasts to... Uh, to like the bride and the groom and then, and then the, and then everybody go to toast and he would say, and death to our enemies and death to your enemies. And like, it totally uh, was sandpaper on my soul. Like as soon as he would say that it, it was, it was actually like, it was so inappropriate because it was like, <laughs> cause it was, cause again, yeah. marriage, uh, marriage is actually Knowledge. fits into this. Into yeah, no, it does. Into it does this, big time. It's like, no the garden is reopened and and man and woman are even reconciled to each other.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And so so this is this is wild to think
1: of the garden being opened is vengeance upon death. Yes, which is which is this this is so we're simultaneously discussing the gospel in the first reading right now. As far as the schema of the podcast uh, Yeah, yeah, I was I was so, like I was like I don't know where I am but I'm just going to go with it, man. And that's okay. So so let's take this apart though for a second. So go back to the go back to the context. You're John. You're sitting in prison. You might be ticked off a little bit. I'm like, come on, are, is are you there, the is one there to any, come? Well, not even like I think John knows. He's like, are you going to help me or not? I You're the you. only one who can help me. Are you going to do something or are you not going to do something?
0: Dude, I just had somebody who I just had somebody who uh, had a very close friend of theirs um, receive a legal sentence. Oh dear. And I'll tell you that they're so much more motivated in justice than the person who received the sentence. Oh, interesting. And so huh. so like I actually wonder if part of this
1: too is that these disciples are like
0: we're going to break you out this is unjust this system
1: be. is broken. Yeah, that could be. That certainly could be. And so Yeah, that certainly could be. And actually what I'm about to say next is going to show why that's a bad idea. Talk to me. So here here's so okay. So here's John. He's like so are you the one or not? Should we look for someone else? Jesus gives this coded answer. He does. He speaks in between the lines, right? Mm-hmm. And for this message to be brought back to John. Now, here's the question. Will John understand what Jesus is trying to say through quoting Isaiah? Are you the one who is supposed to come to redeem the world or not? Well, he quotes Isaiah 35, which is a very famous passage about what's going to happen when the Messiah comes to redeem the world.
0: Um, I would say yes because the bra, the bro, the bra was um, <laughs> <laughs> listening. Was was wearing camel's hair and eating locusts and honey.
1: And not only that, he, he's he is the messenger of Isaiah. That's what I mean. Yeah, so he's it. Well, I mean, the, you're bringing up the the Elijah it, connections. Yeah, as yeah. Well.
0: It, well, it's it's not just cosplay. Uh, you know, he's not yeah. just pretending to be the voice yeah. of one crying out in the wilderness. He the is. separation. And of he board. gets it. He he knows that that's actually yeah. what he's meant to do. That is his call. So he gets Isaiah.
1: Right. So presumably does John understand what Jesus is saying.
0: And he hung out with Jesus when he was growing up. Totally. He knew that the dude was gonna was was straightforward.
1: So does he understand the answer? Do you think? Yes. Okay. Where is John? In prison. Whose prison? Herod's prison. Herod's prison. Whose prison is Herod's prison? Herod's prison is Rome's prison. Rome's prison. So he's in a Roman prison that's controlled by, by Herod, surely. And the governor. But really, it's a Roman prison, so he's surrounded by Roman guards. Okay. If John asks the question, are you the king who is going to come and take power over the world? And Jesus says, yes, I'm the king, O oh, herald of me. And that's said in front of Roman centurions and guards who are faithful to the king of Rome, the Caesar. What do you think would happen to both John and Jesus? They get dressed down by
0: Caesar. What? They'd get a Caesar dressing. Oh, jeez! Oh, yeah, <laughs> come nice, on, nice. Well, no, was good. dude. That that, that took You should three have prayed steps. for your own humor this morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it was
0: good. No, the, absolutely. They, they would get they would get killed for for treason.
1: Yes, I am the king who is going to come and usurp power from Caesar. Wait, what did I just hear? The guard. <laughs> so again, does John know what Jesus is saying? You bet he does. Yeah. Do the Roman guards who are guarding John understand this coded message? No. no. Jesus speaks in code because he wants to keep John's life. Now, John's going to get martyred very soon. His head is going to be cut off. We know what's coming. But Jesus is also... You know, it's a funny, and I'm sure I've talked about this on the... I'm trying to hold back a sneeze. I'm sure I've talked about this on the podcast before, but there was... Um, I always think back to this time when I was a Focus missionary back okay. in the day. Yep. and I was a Focus missionary way back um, when the movie The Passion of the Christ came out, which I re- dates I, me.
0: I remember I, w- I was at a I was at one of the national conferences for Focus when they did the, when they aired it. Yeah, yeah, I was there, and somebody so, somebody asked me for confession, so I didn't get. Um, yeah. You no. couldn't have been a priest. No, there's no way you were. A no, priest. no. You know what it was? Is somebody who was not Catholic <laughs> asked it. like? They were like, "I uh, really want to talk to a priest," and it was like, "Or um, I want to talk to a seminary, And so, the, so that I said yes, and nice. so I didn't get to see it. No, oh. I didn't get to see it. I, I like, but it was it was better. I got to evangelize. It was yeah. it was a decent sacrifice. That was the right thing.
1: Well, anyway, when I was a missionary, we rented out a theater to show it oh, around wow. Easter time. Yeah. And so they sent us all this promotional material, and I remember they sent us this poster and all the promo stuff to run at the theater. And it was that it was the famous poster, and it was like the backlit cross, right? Mel Gibson at the top, and then the tagline for it was "His reason for living was dying," or "His reason for living was to die," or something like that. And I remember I didn't understand why, but I remember it bugged me at the time because if you think about and looking yeah. back, like if yeah. his only reason for if Jesus's reason to become incarnate was to die. Then, I mean, even the Christmas story. I mean, remember, Herod's trying to kill him as an infant. If all he did was come to die, Herod could have killed him when he was a baby. But God preserves his life and he runs off to Egypt. And then later, people want to throw him off a cliff. They want to stone him. Jesus actually spends most of the Gospels evading death. Right. Escaping from death. So his purpose for living was not solely to die. That's the capstone. And that's how he's going to bring about salvation. But Jesus is trying to stay alive to establish a church, to build a kingdom for this. So Jesus is using this coded language to tell John, yes, I am the one. Um, I am the one who has come. I want you to know it. And then, you know, but I, I don't want you to die over it yet. Your time is coming. My time is coming, but our time has not arrived yet. My hour has not yet come to quote what he says to Mary at the uh, wedding feast at Cana, right? Right. So he's doing something very purposeful. And then that last line, (laughs) which I think what you were pointing out earlier, and blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. Just a little jab to John. Hey, by the way, chill out, John. Blessed is he who takes no offense at what I'm doing. I'm doing it the way I want to do it. I know you're in prison. I get it. (laughs) And there's a purpose that I'm working through that. Which his purpose has come forth in the psalm in the second reading. Right. Which we'll get to in just a second. But just to finish this off, so here's these disciples. They've come to Jesus. They've asked him this question on the part of John. They go off, and then the gospel continues, and it says Jesus began to speak about to the crowds about John. Right, he's like, oh, speaking of John, whose disciples were just here, what did you go out to the desert to see? A bunch of people went out to the desert to see John. He's like, what did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind. What is a reed swayed by the wind? Well, what a lot of commentators read from that is that, what's a reed swayed by the wind? Like somebody who is... Moved back and forth by popular opinion or, you know, a people pleaser or someone who is, you know, goes with the flow of what everybody else is doing. He's like, is that what you thought John was? Look, John is sitting in prison. Right. He's probably frustrated by that. These guys are asking me why that's happening. Who is John to you? Is he just some people pleaser that goes with the flow and does this stuff? No, you didn't go to see a reed that just was blown by every you know wind that comes along. What did you go out to see? Somebody dressed in fine clothing? He had sackcloth and ashes and camel's hair and ate bugs and locusts for Pete's sake. Right. Who do you think John is, this one who's suffering in prison right now? He is precisely where God wants him to be at this moment. Right. Because he's not someone who goes by popular opinion and he goes against it. He's not someone who is looking for his own glory. He goes against that. He's shunned all of that. You want to see a prophet and something more than a prophet. And he says, Then he quotes Isaiah and Malachi and a little bit of Exodus all strung together. Behold, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you to prepare your way. John is the messenger. But then he gives you this twist and he says, but. But. He doesn't say but, but he says, amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater, greater than John the Baptist. What he did was profound. No one has done this. He is the new Elijah. He has prepared the way. He's the messenger. He is the voice crying out in the wilderness. But least in the the least in the kingdom is greater than he is. Mm. And then you're like, what? I thought yeah. you just you just talked about how great John is. But then you're like, wait a second, that's kind of a slap in the face. The least in the kingdom is greater than he is, but I thought he was great. Right. Well yeah he is, but in a very real way, John is the bridge between the old testament and the new testament. He is the last of the prophets, and he is the prophet par excellence in a lot of ways. But even the Old Testament prophets hold nothing to what Jesus is going to do in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is now at hand. It is now come among you. John is the one who passes the torch of the Old Covenant coming into the New Testament, the, the, the prophetic tradition being handed on to Jesus. He gives that tradition to Jesus, to which Jesus is going to build his father's house. Dude, I have to imagine that this whole scene is something
0: that <clears throat> marks the rest of Jesus's ministry. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think about Jesus saying, he who would try to save his life, yes. will lose it. And he who will lose his life will save it yes and 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 I think that it would take an existential quality, especially when they know that this is his cousin. They know the ministry of John the Baptist. They know like what's actually happening. and and here he is saying like, if you uh, the one who lays down his life for one's friends yeah is the one who is following after the mass- messianic way yes it, and so it's it's really it's really tough because um uh, by all natural measurements it's too much
1: yeah absolutely well, that's the key, though. By natural measurements, it's too much. John also said, by the way, remember, he said, he must, I must decrease, he must increase. Right. Which is John's then explanation of when Jesus says the least in the kingdom is even greater than he is. Right. Because John's job is to decrease. Right. To prepare the way for the one. Which is what, and what you just said, is actually, I think, what prepares us for the psalm. Which, the psalm, the response, we actually pull from... Uh, and a, a translation of of verse 4 of Isaiah 35 lord come and save us which is actually kind of perfect because in a very real way however he's saying it whatever frustration you might be holding mm-hmm. this is what john is saying i get that you're the lord at least i sure hope you are at least or or everything i've done is wrong right so save us save me and then the response the the psalm itself answers no the lord keeps faith forever it secures justice for the oppressed. Who is oppressed? John is. He gives food to the hungry. He sets captives free. He gives sight to the blind. Raises those who are bowed down. He loves the just. Protects strangers. Psalm 147 or 146 is reframing Isaiah 35. Right. It's stressing. It's reiterating it. It's putting it in different terms. But it the way that the liturgy presents us to it this Sunday is as an answer to John the Baptist's prayer, which is not just this kind of frustrated, Jesus, are you it or not? But also this cry, save me. Right. I'm suffering. Yeah. And what we have to see, because this is the key to the whole Christian life, is that the Lord does save John. Yep. He is saved. It is responded to. It's not maybe the way that John would have liked. He stays in prison, then he gets beheaded for it. But the fact that John has the courage and the grace to go forward with his martyrdom is evidence that the Lord heard his prayer, heard his cry, that he heard what Jesus said back to him, and he said, okay, I move forward in faith then. This is the one. I have my role. My role is to go forward and give my life for this, to stand up for the truth. The Lord heard his prayer. He came and saved John because he's a God who chose justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, sets the captives free, et cetera, et cetera. It's just not always in the way that we might hope for him to do it. Yes. Sometimes the way of salvation is the way of the cross. actually yeah. always. yeah, the way of salvation is the way of our own personal crosses the way of John's glory was giving his life and being beheaded. Sometimes that's how God saves us, yeah, which is a hard message. Well, it, because
0: this is thing is we're not our own. I mean, not, I think that the idea in the movement of like understanding a soldier and a soldier's mission, it's it's actually like there's there's something right about saying like, sometimes we're sent to do something that is that involves tremendous sacrifice for others yeah and like john the baptist was saved by sacrificing himself for absolutely. others absolutely for sacrificing himself and and the the privileged position that he have was in a specific and direct way for jesus christ absolutely and and what do we honor now? i mean we honor his birthday we honor his conception we honor we honor absolutely. him like all over the place his name is one of those one of the highest names that could be
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: I even took his name Baptiste um, when right. I was when I was a deacon.
1: Yeah, one of your twenty seven names, right? Yeah, just yep. How many? Ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's no less funny than twenty seven, <laughs>
0: dude. I can't. I can't wait until uh, I, I I tell the archbishop I'm going to put it in my like thing when when they when I have my funeral like like stuff. I'm going to put it down that that I want all of my names names. on my headstone.
1: I'll make sure they do it. Okay, thanks. I'll probably be there, too. I'll be end companion. (laughs) End companion. But James, the reading from James then is, again, as the second reading is supposed to be pedagogically, it's the practical application of this. Right. Which it really... James James is such a funny book. James, we don't... It is written, presumably, tradition says, by the James who was the bishop of Jerusalem. Right. um, Who... We don't know exactly what the occasion was for him writing this or the exact context. But we know that he writes a lot about persecution and how to deal with it, and what we're how we're supposed to respond to that. And this chapter five is toward the tail end of the book, and I mean, again, putting all this in context, it's just the perfect capstone. It's the perfect practical application for all these things. Here in uh, verse seven, it says, "Be patient, brothers and sisters." And I almost imagine Jesus wanting to say that to his cousin. That's not what he says to these messengers, but that's what he's saying, kind of in between the lines. John, be patient. Right. Be patient, my cousin until the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord isn't just his literally, like somebody coming over to dinner. It's the idea of parousia, his coming in glory, his coming as king, his unveiling, right? Jesus has come by the time of John's being in prison. He's walking around, he's doing all sorts of stuff, but he has not shown himself in his glory and its fullness yet. He will do that on the cross in a very real way. But we're still, John's waiting for his quote-unquote coming, because that is his being shown. And we, too, are now waiting. Yes, we're preparing for him coming at Christmas, in Advent. We're also preparing for a second coming where the veil will be lifted, and we'll see and we'll say, Oh, that's why I had to carry this baggage in my life, or that's why I had to deal with whatever this was, so that God could work that thing in my life. I get it now, but now, on this side of the veil, I've got to have patience, as I wait for his unveiling till the moment that I understand like, oh, that's why you had me go through that. That's why you allowed that thing to happen that I didn't understand. Well, I look at this last line and it says, beloved, take
0: the prophets who spoke as an example of suffering and mm-hmm. patience. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Dude, think about how much greater the expression of Jesus is than they were thinking about what was going to come. Oh, mind-blowing and now think about what the second coming is going to be beyond what we could even (laughs) imagine
1: that's a good insight
0: i mean like like so the prophets were saying hey man this is coming this is coming like the messiahs are going to be on its way and everybody's like we're gonna trash you and then (laughs) like and 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 then we have jesus who comes and he's like check this out Mm. how much more is going to be how much more unexpected is going to be the second coming Wow. Then then even what they expected to the first. I mean, like, and but and for us, we have to take this 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 example of the prophets for us, because we are actually living in a prophetic expression that's yes. going to be great. But
1: to which we'll look back and say, oh, right. I see it now because, you know, it's one of those things in the time of Jesus. Nobody got it. You know, there's a smattering of followers. He has 12 that basically stick with him the whole time, but even they abandon him at the end. But the whole time you're like, why didn't anybody get it? And so many times when I teach classes and I try to, you know, put the pieces of the Old Testament prophecies together, people will come up to me always after my classes and talks and be like, why did the Jewish people not see this? Why did people not get this? Why did the people in Jesus' time not get it? Mm-hmm. It's so crystal clear. Right. But the answer is that hindsight is 2020. You can look back and say, "Oh, but in the beginning, even look at what we said about Isaiah 35. Here's like, God is going to come with vengeance and flowers will bloom. Well, what? well which one is it? Yeah. Is he coming with vengeance? Is he coming as a warrior? Is he coming as a gardener? Is he going to come and be a suffering servant, and a, as Isaiah says, or come and be a mighty warrior, as Isaiah says elsewhere? Which one is it? Right. And we can look back and be like, oh, yeah, it's both. And I mean, I, I pray that we'll come to a point when Jesus comes again, when we'll look back and we'll be like, oh, I see, I see why he did it that way. It makes sense now. We live on this side of the veil, though. I mean, I think there's going to be some day when we'll look back, you know, on the book of Revelation or something and be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense now. Yeah. I see it. But on this side, it's just hard to understand what that symbolism means and then imagery. But that's what Jesus is following. And that's, that's what's so profound about somebody like John the Baptist, who... He never even sees the cross for Pete's sake. He doesn't see the resurrection, yet he has the kind of faith, even in his blindness, to say, yes, I'm going to move forward in faith. I don't see the full picture yet, but I see enough to know that this is what God wants of me. Mm -hmm. I see enough to know that I'm the messenger. I am the voice. I get who I am in this. I don't understand how that works entirely, but I know who I am and I'm going to move forward in faith. And that's what we're called to do. And that's what James is really all about. It's like, and I love that analogy. He says, See how the farmer waits on the precious fruit of the earth, being patient with it until he receives it early in the late rains. Yet you must be patient. Make your hearts firm. Get ready. Strengthen them. Making the hearts firm reminds me of the line from Isaiah 35 where he says, Strengthen the feeble knees. Your heart is weak. My heart is weak. My heart breaks way too easily. And it's swayed and it's tempted to turn away from the things that I know to be true. And James is saying, No, strengthen it. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna get ugly, but strengthen it and be patient and be like the farmer who knows that spring is coming, even in the dead of winter. Even when the rains are coming and you see nothing coming up out of the ground, you know that it's going to bloom, because that's how God made creation to work. So too. If you move forward in faith, even though it's winter, you know that the spring will come. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Exactly right. And you have to have confidence in that. And to have confidence in that, you must make your heart firm. And that, uh, honestly, to me, that's kind of the takeaway line from all these readings. Unless you're a cardiologist. Unless you're a cardiologist. Then (laughs) then you massage (laughs) it. No,
0: it's true. You have to make your heart firm. Uh, and like this is the thing is that
1: I I, I say this to people I say you have, do not complain I just noticed that it also says in James do not complain <laughs> don't which complain. is what John the Baptist is kind of doing yeah.
0: like, hey man
1: and don't grumble
0: against one another otherwise yeah. you're gonna be judged <laughs> that stinks and but yeah I just tell people like you have two choices you can either suffer doing the Lord's will. Or suffer not doing the Lord's Absolutely. will, or avoiding that's the exactly Lord's it. will, and and it's like it's like either way, you know, firm your weakened. it's stop your shaking knees, yeah. and and open your ears and let yourself not be blind and deaf and proclaim the good news to the poor. Like do these things. Actually, what happens is that you're in the kingdom of God. This is your assignment. Go out and do it. And yeah. in as much as you do it, I'm you you're going to be so struck. Yeah, that's it. So. Boom! Boom! Indeed. Oh, this. uh, That. Hey, thanks, Scott. Thank you, Father Peter. Thanks for opening the garden to me today.
1: Thank you for sharing your chocolates, (laughs) (laughs) and your ministry, and yourself, and you too. And your your words of wisdom and your podcast and your humor and your (laughs) cynicism?
0: God bless you all. Gaude, Gaude, Christus, has taught ex Maria day. See you
1: next week. Bye. The Word in the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.lankyguys.org. See you next week.